name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our journey through the Divine Liturgy, we reach the point at which in the Divine Liturgy, uh, after the uh, institution narrative, and particularly we've been following the Liturgy of St. Basil, which has a long and detailed narrative of the Gospel, tells us everything that we really need to know about the faith, every core, the, the way in which our belief in Jesus Christ fits together in one single story. And we re reach that point in the institution narrative where it says, and he gave to his holy disciples and apostles saying, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. And the gifts are placed, have been placed on the holy table, the bread and the wine. And we have remembered, brought back together again, the Last Supper, the supper that Jesus, during which Jesus Christ gives us commandments of salvation, replacing and completing the Old Testament Ten Commandments and giving us a commandment of love. And he says, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you for the remission of sins, for the cleansing, the removal of sin. Remember John the Baptizer would baptize in, in, in uh, Judaism, people would wash themselves constantly as a ritual cleansing. And yet, for the Christians, being baptized once for the cleansing of sins and once and for all, and never having to repeat that. Priest then also says, in the same way he also took the cup for the fruit of the vine, and having mingled it with water, the tradition of the church is that rich, full-bodied, fortified red wine is used, fortified with fruit, with the grape itself, not with sugar. So it's always a very rich and very heavy and very sweet wine that's used. And historically, heavy, very rich, very alcoholic sweet wine was always drunk, watered down. So there was always that tradition of thinning down the, water, the, the wine, but also for us, as we incorporate that idea into Christianity, we see the blood of Jesus Christ in the cup and remember that on the cross he is pierced with a spear and out of his side becomes blood, comes blood and water. We might call that water nowadays plasma. But blood and water pours out of his side and is caught by our cup, and it is mingled. It's also often drunk with hot water, which is why in our tradition we pour hot water into the chalice just before the communion. But back to the prayer. In the same way he took the cup of the fruit of the vine, and having mingled it, and given thanks, and blessed, and hallowed it, he gave it to his holy apostles and disciples, saying, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the remission of sins. Drink this, all of you. This is my blood, not the blood of the Old Testament, animals being constantly slaughtered and never wiping away the sins of the people, but covering over the sins 
This Jesus Christ is different because the sins are remitted completely by his blood of a new covenant, of a new promise. And not just for us, but for many, for all of us and for all of creation. And at this point in the Divine Liturgy, the priest lifts up the gifts. You'll notice that the chalice has a long handle in the middle of the cup before the, uh, the uh, stand. And the same true is also of the plate. In the Western tradition, the plate just sits completely on the table. But in the Eastern tradition, the plate stands on a little stool fixed to the top so that the priest can get his hands underneath and he crosses his arms in the shape of a cross and picks up the gifts and he raises them up to God and quietly he says in the liturgy of Saint Basil he says do this in remembrance of me and many of us who come from a liturgical tradition know that phrase so well common to all liturgical traditions do this in remembrance of me remembering that Jesus Christ has given us this commandment. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim my death, you confess my resurrection. Every time, every time we approach the Eucharist, the Holy Table, we eat of bread and drink of this cup of wine. We proclaim more than just our Christianity. We proclaim Jesus' death and his resurrection. We remember his saving passion, his crucifixion in other words, the life-giving cross, <coughs> his three-day burial and <coughs> resurrection from the dead. Notice that the church doesn't focus in on one of these ideas, but focuses our attention on all of these ideas. We don't focus on the cross with the with Jesus on the cross. We don't focus on the cross with Jesus taken down, the empty cross idea. We focus our attention on all of this story. Remembering his saving passion, his life-giving cross, his three-day three burial and resurrection from the dead, his ascension into heaven and the sitting at the right hand of you, the God and Father, and his second coming glorious and dread that it will be. Remembering, drawing our attention to the whole of that story. It's important, useful for us to remember this story not right now because in our gospel we see the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. He has been baptised by John. He raises out and then there's a skip of time in this particular gospel. John has already been arrested and Jesus doesn't go back to Jerusalem or to Nazareth or to Bethlehem, but goes out to the land of the Gentiles, Zabon and Nephthalim, to preach, to give the light, to illuminate the people that sat in darkness. And our epistle reminds us again of this idea of the gift. Brothers and sisters, it says, Grace was given to each of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Well, what is that gift? The gift is the lifting up of Jesus' body and of Jesus' blood in the divine liturgy, in on the cross, 
and in the divine liturgy. The priest takes the pattern, the plate, with the bread on it, and the cup with the wine and water in it, and lifts it up into the air and says the words, or sings the words, offering you yours of your own on behalf of all and for all. In Old English, offering thee thine of thine own on behalf of all and for all. Well, what is meant by that? The measure of Christ's gift is that he is offering himself to himself, offering you, God, your own. It's not our gift. It's not our gift because it's a gift that has already been given to us. And we lift that gift up again. You imagine at Christmas time or at child's birthday, they've received the gift and they're delighted and overjoyed by it. But they don't keep it for themselves. They offer it back up to their parent and say, Mummy, Daddy, you have... I've, this has happened. I'm sure this has happened. This has happened in my own family. Particularly, I think, usually around the chocolate and sweet sort of present. That a delight on a child's face as they see their favourite chocolate and they look up to their parents and you can see the ethical decision going on in their mind and they go, Mummy, Daddy, would you like some? And they know that they want to eat all of that gift themselves. But they so love you for having given them that gift that they want you to participate in that gift. That's the gift that we see here in this moment in the Divine Liturgy. That we have received the gift of Christ's passion, of Christ's life-giving cross, crucifixion, his three-day burial and resurrection from the dead, his ascension into heaven, his sitting at the right hand of God the Father, and his glorious second coming. We have received this gift, and we want to keep this gift to ourselves. As the priest processes the gifts around, and people often will reach out and touch the hem of the garment of the priest. But sometimes that almost feels like it's, don't go, stay a while. But the priest representing Jesus is determined to complete the gift, determined to continue on that way of the cross, to continue the procession with himself, the gift of himself to the holy table in order to be offered up God of God, light of light, on behalf of not just us, but on behalf of all of us, not just on behalf of the priests, but on behalf of the whole of the congregation, not just on behalf of the whole of the congregation, but on the behalf of the whole of God's creation. In the epistle, grace was given to each of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it is said, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and gave gifts to men. Us captives, freed and led to the high place as we process to the high place. And we are given these gifts to mankind. But here's an interesting point here, because this is the scriptural basis of the descent of Jesus Christ into Golgotha, into hell. And it's a unique 
almost unique feature of Orthodox Christianity that in our tradition of Pascha, the, the trampling down of death by death. It's, I'm not sure I've seen it much in other traditions. This idea, even as we are celebrating the resurrection of Christ, our primary identity, our primary icon, our primary idea is not the crucifixion or the taking down from the cross or anything like that, but on the Feast of Pascha is the descent of Christ into hell. The very word that we use for it is the trampling down death, the anastasis. This idea of descending into hell that he might fill all things with himself. St. Paul writes to the ch church in Ephesus and says, In saying he ascended, what does it mean that he had also descended into the lower parts of the earth? For us to claim that Christ ascended to God, he must have descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also he who ascended far above the heavens, that he might fill all things. Descending into hell, that all might be reconciled to God, not just us, not just God's creation, but all, even those in Sheol. And his gifts are some that should be apostles, some should be prophets and evangelists, some should be pastors and teachers, in other words, priests. The word translation here, pastor, is a little bit oblique. I suspect that the, the real word is presbyteros, presbyteros, the priest. And some are teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, that we might, might all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to maturity. What does it mean to be a grown-up in Christ? Is to mean to measure up, not to the stature of humanity, because man is not the measure of all things, but to the stand up to the stature of the fullness of Christ. Man is not the measure of all things, but Christ is the measure of all things. The Christ who was born, who was incarnate into this world, who was baptised by a human and entered into the waters of his own creation and blessed all creation, who takes the light of the gospel not just to his people, the people of God, but to the Gentiles, the people of Zabulon and Nephthalim, but also as we will begin to find out as we progress in the next few months, couple of months towards Pascha. Saving passion, a life-giving cross, a three-day burial and resurrection from the dead, the ascension into heaven and the sitting over the right hand of God the Father and his glorious and dread second coming. And at that point, then we, the recipients of the gift, are able to cross our hands and lift up the ultimate sacrifice, the sacrifice that's already been made, to lift up the sacrifice of the bread and wine, such that it is the body and blood of our Lord God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.